Welcome to Post Game with Paul Golden, a sports and faith podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly. Thanks for joining us. Today we have a very special guest. He is considered one of the great New York Yankee pitchers of all time, Andy Pettit. The three-time All-Star, five-time World Series champion, is a beloved member of the Yankees' core four. Andy will share how he became a follower of Jesus Christ and how his faith strengthened him during his 18 seasons in the major leagues. He explains how he stays spiritually strong, faithful to his wife, Laura, and how COVID has impacted his family. Andy offers insights into his Yankee teammates and gives an update on his post-baseball career, including his new role as a grandfather. Be sure to stay tuned to the very end for a fun hit and run with Andy Pettit. Now, here's your host of the Post Game Podcast, Paul Golden. Well, it's our privilege today to have uh, Andy Pettit join us on the Post Game with Paul Golden podcast. So it's great to have you join us and uh, share with us this morning. Welcome aboard. Thank you, Paul. It's it's good to be here. For some of those who might not know, and I'm not sure why they wouldn't know the Yankees or Andy Pettit, but let me just give a quick rundown of your kind of your stats. You played 18 seasons in uh, the majors, mainly with the Yankees, uh, some with the Houston Astros. Uh, You're a three-time All-Star. You won uh, the World Series uh, five different times uh, with the Yankees, uh, 96, 98, 99, 2000, and 2009. You're part of the core four, as many as you know. Uh, you actually played in eight different World Series, uh, seven with the Yankees and one with the Astros. You are, for the Yankees, the all-time postseason wins leader with 19. And uh, the Yankees retired your number 46, and you have a place in Monument Park. So you are, a, in my book and in many others, a Yankee legend. You are drafted, if I look this up correctly, the 22nd round in the 1990 draft. They don't even have the 22nd round anymore, do they, Andy? No, no, they don't. <laughs> uh, six five, left-handed pitcher, and I, if I understand correctly, you started out. Uh, eventually, you made your way to the Nipen League, and you started out in, with the Oneonta Yankees. And yep. uh, hopefully, soon you'll be in another nearby city, uh, perhaps Cooperstown, just up the road from uh, Oneonta. But my question to you is: of all the accomplishments, I just hit a highlight for those that don't know you that well. Wh- which one are you the most proudest of? Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I would probably say, you know, the 18 years, you know, you know, really and truly, because just being able to play that long and then being able to play, obviously, like you said, for 15 of those years with the Yankees and and three with the Houston Astros um, and, and just to be able to play, you know, in the old Yankee Stadium and have the longevity of my career to be able to get me to the to the new Yankee Stadium and to be part of of that. Uh, I, I'm very proud of just how long I, I was able to play the game. I pitched until I was in, in my 40s. The, the velocity went down, obviously, as I got older. But really and truly, you know, the arm was able to stay fairly healthy. And and I feel like the knowledge and the wisdom that you kind of gain over those years, it almost made it more enjoyable to pitch at a later age. And the uh, game kind of slowed down for me. And, and you know, life kind of, you know, you're in a different place in life. You know, those years, the last few years there were were like gravy because you wouldn't think that you'd still be playing and pitching. And then to be able to win that World Series in 09 after having a pretty long drought of winning one uh, and and doing it at at an old age, also at an older age for an athlete, that was obviously 
you know, re- really enjoyable to be able to do and do it, obviously, with the great group of guys, the core group of guys that we had there. And uh, the Yankees were always they always did an amazing job but the, every year that I was there to, to put an unbelievable team around me. Got to play with a lot of great players, Hall of Fame players. So I, I just feel very blessed to have been able to play uh, as long as I did. That's awesome. We're going to talk a little bit more about your baseball career later in the podcast, but I want to talk more, more so about your faith in Christ. Tell us, when did you become a Christian? So I became a Christian whenever I was 11 years old. I grew up in church. I grew up in church, went to church all, you know, all the time. But whenever I was 11 years old, my sister invited me to go to a, they don't even have them anymore, I don't, I don't think, a, a church revival that she had went to with a friend of hers at a real tiny, small Baptist church uh, in my little town at Deer Park there. It was called Second Baptist Church. And um, I went to a, a revival, I think it was on a, a, a Monday night, um, and, I, and I heard a preacher talk about being a sinner and, and Christ dying for my, my sins and uh, Jesus Christ dying on the cross and being rose again three days later. And my need for, you know, for a savior and, and, and ask and, you know, realizing that I was a sinner. And, um, and that night I walked the aisle. It was the first time that I had, you know, been preached to kind of as far as what the Bible says and, and, and needing to be born again. And that night I walked the aisle at 11 years old, the Holy Spirit tugged on my heart. And the next night I went back to church and got baptized and um, I was changed. And, and I mean, to this day, you know, it literally and truly has been the only thing in my life that I can tell you has changed me. You know, mm. I mean, um, you won World Series. I've, I've had, you know, kids. I've had grandkids. Now, grandkids is is pretty a pretty pretty cool thing, and that'll change you, and that'll that'll soften your heart like you know uh, like a whole lot of things can't do. So that's been a pretty special deal for me. But man, uh, just you know, accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior, man, it changed me, and, and that happened at 11 years old. Amen. It's great to have your identity grounded in that because as you know, the ups and downs of any sport, especially at your level. Uh, that can, that can come and come and go. How, how do you stay spiritually strong during when you were playing? How do you stay spiritually strong during the season? Yeah, I mean, we had a, a wonderful uh, chaplain who, you know, obviously we're not able to go to church, you know. And uh, George McGovern is a New York Yankees chaplain. Um, I met George, you know, when I first went with, to the Yankees, and George has been an amazing blessing to me uh, and my family um, since that time. We, but you know, we stayed. Obviously, uh, we would do Bible studies. George would lead Bible studies for us uh, at any time that, that we asked, and he always tried to put together and stayed in constant communication with the guys on the team that were brothers and believers, and that wanted to continue to grow in their faith. So, obviously, baseball chapel was a huge deal um, on the road. You know, I always tried to put together Bible studies uh, with the guys on the team that, that wanted to, to grow in their faith and in their walk and offered it up to, to everyone. Um, we also, even when we were at the stadium and it wasn't, you know, Sundays for baseball chapel, we've tried when we had guys there, had big groups of Christian, you know, guys on the team. We would try to meet uh, sometimes, you know, right after batting practice for 15 or 20 minutes to share a devotional and just pray and, and, and pray that we would be leaders on the team, that we would be able to impact guys on the team, that, 
that we would share our faith in a way um, that it wasn't, you know, forced on people and stuff like that. And that's what I always wanted out of my career and out of my faith and, and just wanted to, to make an impact on others and, and uh, always build relationships uh, with my teammates. And man, God gave me a great opportunity to do that with a lot, a lot of great, like I said earlier, teammates and, and, um, and boy, was I blessed. We have a mutual friendship in George McGovern. He's been a great friend to you and to me and a great mentor and just such a godly and gracious gentleman. And he's been doing the Yankee chaplaincy for almost, I think, over 25 years. So yeah, what a great man to have in your life. Tell us about your family. You're obviously married and you're a grandfather, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you met Laura and uh, how many years you've been married. I met Laura when I was 15 years old. Um, like I said, I, you know, I mentioned the church that I got saved in, Second Baptist Church. Uh, and that was whenever I was 11, 12 years old. I, I would love to just share, you know, after I got saved, uh, my, my sister, you know, accepted Jesus and uh, my mom accepted Jesus and and kind of shifted the whole course of our our family. So just how important that was. But a few years later, uh, I had a buddy that invited me to go to another church just right down the street uh, called Central Baptist Church. And I was 15 years old and you know, I went to that church. They had a big youth department um, at that time. And I met my wife, Laura, uh, at, at that time at uh, at Central Baptist Church. Her dad was the pastor there. Uh, he started um, Central Baptist Church. He had preached there for 42 years. Mm. And uh, so all of her brothers were in the ministry. She had three brothers. And so I met her there at uh, Central Baptist Church whenever I was 15 years old. And we started dating and, you know, we broke up a few times during high school, but only for, you know, a month or maybe two and always got back together. And we've been together now for 30, you know, 30 years. Our 29th uh, wedding anniversary, I think we just celebrated. To marry a high school sweetheart and to be get together all these years, that's that's awesome. Hey, uh, when you played, obviously there's a lot of temptations for every man out there, but especially for a major league player on the road. What, yeah. what things did you do to remain you know, faithful to, uh, to Laura all these years? R really and truly, it's simple, right? You just got to you got to separate yourself from the from the opportunities. And 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 that was choices. You, you had to make wise choices. Obviously, everybody knows baseball. You know, you start games at seven o'clock and, and the games are usually over at 1030 or 11 o'clock. And then, you know, you, you, most guys, you, you haven't eaten dinner and stuff like that. Guys want to go out and, and just relax and, and do stuff. And, you know, I just never did that. Uh, I felt like that, you know, you, that late at night, you know what comes with that. And and I just, you know, when guys would go out to dinner and stuff like that, you know, I usually would just go back to the hotel. Not always. I Obviously, I wanted to be part of the team. I wanted to enjoy my relationships and friendships with guys on the team. But y'all also knew always I felt like knew, you know, where that line was and, and the situations that I wanted to put myself in and just try to stay away from those. And, and so that was the biggest thing, I think is is just when the temptation came of being like man that'd be so fun to go hang with those guys and do this and that you know i knew that yeah i had a wife at home uh when i got to the big leagues we had already had josh my oldest son you know just know that my wife's at home with our young baby and then you know just kind of felt like that, that that wouldn't be the things that that i needed to be out doing whenever you know she was back home taking care of my kids so um, you know, that's, that's one of, I think the biggest thing. And 
also a, a lot of big things, a lot of things that you deal with during the course of, uh, of a baseball career and trying to mentor and being a positive impact on players. And, and obviously now coaching high school baseball and dealing with high school kids and stuff like that. Also, you know, one of the biggest things a lot of people are dealing with and men, especially is a battle of just, you know, watching, looking on the internet and stuff like that at, at bad stuff, you know? And so for me, uh, most of my career, the TV didn't come on either, you know, uh, the, the, the pull to, to turn to, you know, bad channels or whatever. It's like, you know, you try to stay away from, from all that stuff. Um, and, and I think that's a lot of, of what's going on in society today with a lot of the divorce rate and, and the pornography that's going on with, with a lot of men. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of stuff that we have to deal with in the world that we live in today, but not even, you know, as much that I had to, we didn't have to deal with even that much back, you know, 25 years ago when I was first starting out my career. And it's so prevalent today. And that's, that's great advice and a good admonishment to us to, to be faithful like you have been. Uh, you, you mentioned your, your one son, you have four children uh, yeah. now. And um, I was privileged several years ago. I was impressed. I was on a mission trip uh, down in Dominican and, Here's Andy Pettit with uh, Josh and Jared. And I thought that was so cool that a uh, man that of your stature, you're busy. You didn't have to bring your kids on a mission trip, but you did. So that, that impressed me that, Hey, you're not just uh, going to church and doing the bare minimum, but you're, you're, you're still serving. You're involved in other ministries. So to me, that was an encouragement, but mentioning your four kids, uh, you mentioned being a granddad. How does that feel? I mean, what, what is that feeling? Uh, I'm not a grandfather yet, but what is that feeling like? Well, if you're a man, you and you have kids, I'm sure at some point in your life, you've heard that being a grandparent is the greatest thing ever. And of course, you're like, OK, yeah, whatever. You know, it's probably good. But it is literally the greatest thing ever. I mean, my Presley Blake is my first grandbaby and, and she is three and a half or before, I believe, in May. And uh, just, uh, you know, just. There, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, just they are absolutely amazing. Um, and then we just were blessed with our second one just a week and a half ago, uh, Landry, Landry K. And that's my oldest son, Josh, and his wife, Kate. Um, so we, we've got two, you know, beautiful, healthy little little granddaughters um, that we just absolutely adore and literally if they ask me for anything, I will do it. And, and, and they don't get in trouble here. Uh, you know, the thing is crazy is I've got these two grandbabies and then I've got one son left who's, you know, 16 years old, who's a junior in high school. And so I still got to remember, I got to discipline him and raise him, you know, and, and, and it's been tough because the older I've gotten, you know, I think kind of the level of, of how much trouble, my oldest son, Josh and Jared probably stayed in. I've become a little, little lenient in my old age, I think. And I up. think these girl, girls have softened me up a little bit. So you're still tough love on your 16 year old, but you're spoiled the granddaughters <laughs> uh, to no end. So exactly. Well, congratulations. Kind of moving from uh, the excitement of uh, grandchildren. You guys have not been without your, I say, sure, a tragedy. You want to share about uh, your, your in-laws uh, in this past year? Yeah, you know, obviously everyone uh, has been affected and has had a, seems uh, everyone's had a rough couple of years, right? But yeah, you know, last December, uh, not this past December, but December 
when COVID first hit, um, my two in-laws, uh, my, my mother and father-in-law, uh, caught COVID actually on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, we got a call and said that, that they were, you know, being put in an ambulance and going to the hospital. Again, I think everybody knows, you know, probably knew someone that was in the hospital or whatever. What a helpless feeling, right? We couldn't go see them. We couldn't go in the hospital. Um, My wife was kind of handling, you know, the whole situation herself. Uh, She's the, the, you know, the youngest uh, of four children, but she's the girl, right? And so, you know, she was talking to the doctors and talking to the nurses on behalf of both mother and father. And, um, you know, they they deteriorated fast. Her mother, we thought, was getting better. And she actually came home for like 12 hours. Then we had to rush her back to the hospital. Uh, Her dad deteriorated pretty quick. Um, They put him on a ventilator. He, He didn't make it. We ended up. Uh, the hospital actually let us go uh, into the hospital to basically turn the ventilator off and, and tell him goodbye. Mm. And uh, my mother-in-law, we thought was doing good. Uh, you know, that the COVID really attacks your lungs and treatment that they're doing and stuff like that uh, with a bunch of different treatments to try to help them. Um, the, uh, she ended up having her kidneys shut down somehow, not, not exactly sure exactly how all that works, but her kidneys ended up failing on her and she went into cardiac arrest and, um, we, we thought she was going to be okay. And so we were literally driving, uh, we were talking, we were on the phone with the hospital, um, talking to them, giving them our information, mine and my wife's Laura. Um, to set up for us to to leave that day to go to Dallas. And that evening, we were going to tell her dad goodbye and, and turn his ventilator off. And as we were on the phone with, with uh, the nurse, literally her mom goes into cardiac arrest and uh, the chaplain, like we could hear stuff going on. And the chaplain actually gets on the phone with Laura, uh, she has her own speaker and says, Laura, your, your mother just went into cardiac arrest. They're, they're trying to save her, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just horrible. Um, obviously we immediately then jumped in the car and headed, headed for Dallas and, and got there. And, you know, we got there, they left her mom, you know, just as she was. So four hours later, we walk in the hospital and kiss her mom goodbye. And, and then walk into the other room and kind of sing her dad into heaven. So, mm. uh, you know, this affects everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, doesn't matter how much money you have, mm. doesn't matter what you've done in your life, uh, how rich, how poor, what your color is. Um, this COVID stuff has affected everybody. And, and um, you know, that was, that was a tough time to walk through. And it's been tough. It'll be tough for the rest of our lives um, because my wife's, you know, trying to walk through that daily, um, losing two, uh, has, has made a huge, huge impact and has left a huge void in her heart. And so, um, as a husband, just trying to daily, you know, walk through that with her, it's been a rough year, but only by God's grace is she moving forward and trying to stay positive and and realizing that one day we're going to see them in heaven again. And that's kind of as Christians, what we hold on to. Right. And so that's kind of the story, you know, that's exactly how it unfolded. And, and, um, you know, through it all, God's good. And, um, and, and, and 
we know we, it's hard to see sometimes where the good's coming from mm-hmm. out of that, but we know that, that, it, that it's, it's going to be all good. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that's, that's a tough memory yeah. to revisit, but I appreciate you sharing that. Cause I think that you said as Christians, we're not exempt from uh, storms of life and uh, no. because of our faith and our hope, we can make it through those tough times. It's not easy, but we can, can make it through. So, Hey, I want to transition a little bit, talk a little bit more baseball before we conclude uh, back on the Yankees team. Who, who was that unsung hero, that underrated player that maybe deserves more credit? We, we hear about the core four and Mariano, but who, who was that player on some of those World Series teams that you thought, man, they really made a difference, but they don't get the credit they deserve? Well, you asked that question immediately. I would say Bernie Williams, of course. I mean, we've talked about this so much. And most there's that the core four, right? But I know for us, we look at it as the core five, really, uh, mm-hmm. just because Bernie was such a great player and, and he was there before any of us and kind of, you know, from the minor league system. And and so Bernie is one person that just really, you know, that kind of stands out to me when you ask that question as the kind of an unsung hero, mm-hmm. uh, huge backbone of our team, um, switch hitter right in the middle of that lineup for years and all the, a lot of the championships and, and, uh, great teammate and, um, you know, great player, obviously. And, and he deserves a lot of credit. Hey, I'm going to give you i I'm going to say a name and you give me like whatever comes to mind right away, like a one word description. So Derek Jeter, great captain, Jorge Posada, fiery Mariano Rivera, incredible Joe Torrey, father figure, the boss, George Steinbrenner, intense Aaron judge, great man. Aaron Boone. I actually, when you said Aaron Judge, I'm sorry. I was thinking Aaron Boone to my head. Okay. <laughs> so Aaron Boone, great man. Aaron Judge, great man. But Aaron uh, Aaron Judge also, I would say, great leader. You're six five. Aaron Aaron Judge makes you look like the rest of us, kind of normal. He's a big man. <laughs> Who is the funniest Yankee teammate you've had? I would say Nick Swisher. Craziest teammate you had maybe it's the same answer yeah I was about to say that's that's not great I probably should have gave you no but yeah I'd say craziest would be Nick Swisher <laughs> of all the guys you played with who who was the most athletic like just pure athlete I would say Alfonso Soriano the former man or the former player you played with Astros or Yankees that's most likely to become a manager someday you know Aaron Boone already is but yeah um I would say maybe Lance Berkman Yankees are known for their old timers day, bringing back all the legends. When you were playing, who were some of those old timers legends that you love meeting each year at old timers day? Whitey Ford. Chairman of the board. I loved him. He obviously a little biased towards left-handed pitchers. So I always gravitated to Whitey. If I remember right, if I researched it right, you and Whitey are tied for first in the number of games started for the Yankees. So you guys have some cool uh, uh, connections there. In your opinion, which was the best Yankee team you ever played on? Was it the 1998 team? I think so, yeah. Your sports hero when you were growing up there in Texas, who was who your sports hero growing up? Nolan Ryan. Favorite MLB stadium other than Yankee Stadium? What was your favorite ballpark to play in? I love Safeco Field in uh, Seattle. What was your least favorite stadium to play in? 
probably Baltimore. I had a lot of wins in Baltimore, but Baltimore has disastrous starts. And it was so such a little small field. I feel like if you gave up anything that hit the barrel, it was going out of that ballpark. So not Camden Yards. It's a beautiful place, but not pitcher friendly. So not pitcher friendly. (laughs) What's your favorite Bible verse and why? You know, James 4, 6 is kind of for years has been kind of if I sign my name, that's what I put on my uh, signature. And, you know, it says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I just, you know, I feel like that that was just such a great verse that I tried to live by because, you know, sometimes I feel like in, in life and as men, maybe that accomplish things, you feel success, you you have a you want to be boastful. And I mean, I just I just don't think, you know, God that's, wants us to be like that. And, and I think humility is a is a great thing to show as a believer. And, and I always want to show humility. And uh, so that's the reason why that, that verse really resonates with me. James four, six from number 46 for the exactly. Yankees. I kind of, my, my brother-in-law kind of gave me that verse a long, long time ago. And he was like, man, I was searching the Bible for like 46 is like, what would be a good verse for you? And I got to give that credit to my brother-in-law, Timmy. That's perfect. Hey, favorite Bible character, like Old Testament, New Testament, who, who's a character that you resonate with? You know, this is crazy, but I just I always kind of go back to Job, you know, just mm-hmm. because just so much adversity and 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 so much, you know, stuff and tragedy that has gone on in his life. And I don't know why, but, you know, just in my life, when I think back over my career, I think about all the adversity and there's been so many great things and so many positive things, but for some reason, and I think it's kind of helped me stay grounded and just realize how blessed I am. Mm. And, and so I I just, as I looked back in my career and as I was in my career, it was so hard for me to look at all the, the great things that I had accomplished. My mind was always on how bad I was in game one of the 1996 world series, you know, instead of thinking, well, how good it was in game five. Right. But mentally that's just I don't know if that's warped or not but I feel like that's just kind of kept me driving and so that's a it's a long answer to to your question but that's I just think of Joe other than the Bible what's been a book that's impacted your life and your thinking oh I'm not a huge reader I will absolutely just admit that to you so I'm sorry to say that so you asked me that question I probably couldn't even throw a a great book out but uh, of course got a lot of great devotional books that, that I've went through over the course of my career. So can't really give you a great answer for a book just because I do not like reading books. Who's been a person that's had a significant impact on your, your Christian walk? My parents obviously have, have, have been, you know, a huge impact on me, but when I was 19 years old, I signed with the New York Yankees and packed up. And as a young man, I didn't travel didn't we didn't have the money to travel we our vacations as I was when I was a kid which we'd go to Galveston uh, here and you know it was a 45 minute drive from where I lived in Deer Park and that was our vacations every year so we never went out of state and traveled so when I was 19 years old I got on an airplane and I believe it might have been the first time I had ever flown in my life and so uh got shipped down to Tampa Florida and the first thing I did was ask my, one of my pitching coaches there if, if he knew of a church. And I was recommended to go to Idlewild Baptist Church in Tampa, Florida. And I went to that church. I met 
the pastor there who's still there, Pastor Ken Whitten, yep. Yep. and he has walked through life with me as a, as a second father, uh, as a huge mentor to me. And so I would say that he would has made the biggest impact on me probably in in uh, my Christian. Transitioning to uh, more important things, maybe food. I know you're down there in Houston, Papa Cita's, Papa's Barbecue. That's always a great place. But I always ask our guests, are you a Chick-fil-A guy or a Popeye's guy? Chick-fil-A. All right, good answer. That's right. We answer. are obsessed with Chick-fil-A down here, <laughs> especially my kids. <laughs> uh, what's your go-to? You and Laura sitting on the couch watching the show. What's your favorite go-to late night stack? Cookies and milk for me. I put a cup of cookies and, and, and put milk in there and and it's it's not good. I need to stop that. That's for sure. <laughs> and my wife will not put anything bad in her mouth. So I need to trend more towards her discipline than my discipline. In your opinion, what's the best sports movie of all time? Not just baseball, but best sports movie. Man, I love Remember the Titans. What about baseball? What's the, what's the best baseball movie in your opinion? Uh, I mean, not a big movie guy, but thinking thinking I really enjoyed you know a long time ago when it first came out was, was bull durham you're in a foxhole fighting for your life what three guys do you want in the foxhole with you well first of all i'd want my dad that's for mm. sure i guarantee you that much i'd want my dad and then i i couldn't even start naming names i've got so many great friends uh that that have been there for me and and always you know are there to support me and stuff like that and so i got a handful of, of guys that that i would throw in there you said you're coaching, you're retired now. What what other things are you involved in now that in your post baseball career? Yeah, so that's uh, you know coaching high school baseball. Um, you know, eight years ago uh, when I retired, I moved from Deer Park, Texas, to to the west side of town here in Houston, and I'm coaching. I'm coaching in a small little Christian school here at Second Baptist, and and it's been wonderful. Uh, I coached my son Jared for two years. And then I was here for four years with uh, no kid being on the team. And then now I've got my last son, Luke, coming through. And uh, Luke just signed, actually committed, not signed, but committed to go play college baseball at Dallas Baptist. So we're excited about that. He's going to be a, a, a position player and a hitter. They recruited him as a two-way player. So we're looking forward to that. My daughter's playing volleyball at Dallas Baptist. So it's a wonderful college. Uh, so really that's what I've been doing with my time. You know, I was working with the Yankees before COVID hit and stuff like that and trying to stay extremely involved with those guys. They've been awesome, uh, you know, to work with and I've really enjoyed that working with their big league club and their minor league players. Um, but really and truly, um, you know, doing the coaching gig and being a dad and, and trying to spend as much time with my, with my family. And then also now obviously being a grandpa and there's nothing better than going pick Presley up from school on certain days and taking her to go get ice cream and getting those brownie points with her and stuff like that. So just, you know, constantly just trying to be involved with my family here and loving on them being in professional baseball. I was gone so much mm. and um, enjoying seeing my boys, you know, and being around them a lot more now. For one final question, what do your granddaughters call you? Yeah. So I'm supposed to be Pops with a okay. P, okay. but Presley has a hard time pronouncing her P's. So now I'm Bop, B-O-P. So I'm Bop, yeah. And and she's starting to speak, yeah, obviously, 
her speech is getting better and, and she's starting to pronounce her P's better. But I've told her I don't want to be pop. I want to be Bop. So I'm I'm Bop now. That's my that's my granddad name. Yeah, I know you're on the ballot right now for the Hall of Fame. And, and whether you end up in Cooperstown or not, if, for me, you're you're a Hall of Fame player and more importantly, a Hall of Fame person. So I appreciate your humility and uh, just the willingness for you to take time out of your schedule uh, to come and uh, be part of this uh, this podcast. Any any closing thoughts or comments? No, just Paul, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, and um, you know, I always just wanted to to be known. And obviously through this, I think it has just, man, I mean, the, G- Jesus is, Christ is the most important thing to me in my life. I mean, like I said earlier, it's just, uh, it's just impacted. It's, he's impacted my life so much. And just want to encourage if there's men out there, you said it would be 250, 300 people might be seeing this or listening to it. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, I mean, he, he, he will change your life and he will change you from the inside out. Uh, I mentioned it before. I mean, five, you know, been eight World Series, five World Series titles. And you would think those things would impact you. Those things would change your life. They don't. I mean, just the, the material things in life just don't don't, you know, don't do a whole lot for us, you know, and I uh, just strongly encourage guys, if you don't know the Lord as your personal savior to to accept him. And um, and I'm not saying life's going to be perfect and life's going to be all gravy. Um, There's it, just a peace that God brings to you once you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Thanks again, Andy. God bless. And thanks for joining us on the, the postgame uh, podcast. Okay, Paul, thank you. God bless. We hope you were encouraged with a conversation with legendary Yankees pitcher Andy Pettit. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd ask that you subscribe to the Post Game with Paul Golden podcast. This way you'll never miss an upcoming episode. Go ahead and forward this podcast to that Yankees fan you know and tell others about this unique sports and faith podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly. Thank you so much for joining us for Post Game with Paul Golden. Yeah.